श्री गुरु वैष्णवी परंपरा की जय श्रीमद्भागवतम
and these two consist of four months, and these four months are the Chatur Masya, famous four months that are celebrated, honored, and um, they constitute a time in the past in India when sages used to travel, and they traveled for reason of not wanting to stay in one place for too long, with the um, chance thereby of becoming attached. We know that in Nard's own life, as discussed later in the Bhagavatam, and that he was cursed by um, Daksha, a curse that constituted Vaishnava Parada, really, um, but a uh, verse that Nard embraced, uh, such as the, the way, the nature of such great souls, they turn inauspiciousness into auspiciousness. So he was cursed not to stay in any place long enough to more than a few days or something like that, or long enough to, only long enough to milk the cow, something like that. Had to move on. From a householder point of view, this would be terrible. Mm. To pick up your house and move every, every couple of days, something like that. Never get settled. Mm. We look to be settled in this life, to get firm footing under our feet, some stability. We don't know, unfortunately, that we are a unit of stability, enduring existence, and so forth. So we try to create a situation that will afford us the sense of security that is at the heart of our being that we are uh, unaware of. So it's beautiful, that pursuit of getting a hearth and home and a land to call my own and so forth is really, if we look carefully at it, the pursuit of the self in terms of its, its sat, it, it, its enduring existence. We try to find security, we don't know how secure we are, and therefore we have some fear, some anxiety. If we knew the extent to which we existed, then we would have no fear. So, the sages, they would typically move in this way from place to place and not, uh, and try to uh, protect themselves from falling into the illusion that their maintenance is coming from somewhere else other than than God. In other words, they'd go to a place, someone would put them up. The sages, the sannyasis, typically in these times that are being described here, in this, this climate, this atmosphere, in this culture of thousands of years back, these uh, renunciates, they were both the, like the fathers of the society and the children of the society as well. They would be fed and nurtured, and all their needs met. And because, because they didn't think to take care of themselves, like a child doesn't think to take care of himself. Uh, and then on the other side, of course, being taken care of, they would father uh, the society by sharing their sagely uh, words of wisdom, their insight, and so forth. So they would move from place to place. They wouldn't want to come under the illusion that any 
one in particular was maintaining it. In other words, one house might be more comfortable than another, there might be better prashad at one place than another, and so forth. They tried to avoid this. I told the story before. One of my godbrothers there took him to Nyas, and I met him after many years in Vrindavan, and we were attending some program, and and um, he started to tell me of how he was doing Madhukari. Madhukari is a system uh, like this that I'm describing. Um, it's Madhukari, it's like the, the action of the bee. Madhu means honey, but it implies the bee who lives on the honey of the pollen of each flower and turns it into honey and so forth. It's his work. Hmm? So the work of, the, of, the, of, the, of honey making, that's the bee's work. And the bee doesn't stay in any particular flower too long, long enough to get the, get the ingredients and take it back to the hive, something like that. So as the bee moves from flower to flower, so the sada would go from house to house and, and collect alms and, and move on and so forth. So he was telling me how he was doing Madhukari, which is thought to be a very exalted um, lifestyle which one is fully dependent upon God for one's sustenance, and so on and so forth. Um, and then there was talk of going to one particular area for uh, honoring the pastimes of Prajnanam and Krishna there, as is the custom in Vrindavan, holding a little mail, a little festival, and Kirtan, Prashad discussed the pastimes, and he said to me, Oh, that place is very good for Madhukari. I turned to him and I said, you are not doing Madhukari, you have revealed. <laughs> you are not doing Madhukari. What, did they put butter on the chapatis there? Is that why it's good for Madhukari? Yeah, he was quite embarrassed by my uh, response. Hmm? Of course, the greatest example that I could think of, of Madhukari, would be Prabhupada's example, hmm? who uh, left Vrindavan, he was actually living at Radha Temple, and whatever would come to Prashadam for the noonday meal, some portion would be given to him, and he would, that would be his meal for the day. Um, and it's a similar kind of idea. But um, he left Vrindavan, and he went to New York. <laughs> And, of course, he had no idea what, we, what he would eat there, or where he would get anything, either what they ate there. And there was no system of madhukari. There was no place for feeding a sadhu. Uh, you know, in Vrindavan, there are you know, places like that. You can get in line with your plate and get a meal. It's a system for feeding sadhus. No such system. He went there completely dependent upon Bhagavan, the orders of his Guru Maharaj. He prayed for the power successful in his mission of preaching to the Western world, very um, selfless and very um, much a Saranagata, very much at the heart, the Surup Lakshan, the primary principal characteristic of of Saranagati is this Gopritvevaranam Tata, the Krishna is my maintainer. So he, he went and he depended for his livelihood on the holy name. He chanted, he spoke, glorification of Krishna Sankirtan, and whatever came, that was um, how he somehow survived. How did he survive? 
That is Madhukari. Krishna provided. One time I was walking with Prabhupada in Vrindavan, and uh, he used to say to me quite often on the walk, So, Kriparimarsh, what are they saying? Because I was always out talking <laughs> with the common people and so forth, sharing Prabhupada's books, and I would hear their arguments as to why you know, they shouldn't read the book or whatever. And so I said, well, so one of the arguments they give Prabhupada is that they say that we are just parasites. And we don't have work, job, any livelihood. We're just living, you know, off of the work of others. He said, then tell them to stop giving. But they can't. It was very nice. Tell them to stop giving. And he hesitated for a moment. But they can't. The idea was that we are going, we are glorifying Krishna. Hmm? And if you don't want to give, don't give. But somebody will give. Hmm? Krishna is giving. <laughs> Krishna is providing. We're speaking about him, we're glorifying him, and he's providing. You can't stop it. Hmm? Hmm? If you don't want to give, don't. But you can't stop. Hmm? There's a higher power here providing, something like that. Hmm? So... Um, this is the life, anyway, classically, classic life of the sadhus. We saw Prabhupada in an interesting way by interfacing with modern modernity and so forth. And eventually Krishna gave him so many houses, so many temples, so many sons, so many daughters and to take care of him in the grand uh, style. And, of course, the interesting thing about that, in the midst of all of that, he, became, he always remained very simple. Hmm? Very simple, and Sridhar Maharaj marveled once when he returned to India and visited Sridhar Maharaj's moth, and, and there he was, the big Acharya who had gone all over the world and so forth. And he said, but he was just the same mm-hmm. as when we used to live together in his house and so forth. He had not been changed by that at all. I mean, for the worse, or, you know, taken in. Others had gone west and they had can change a little bit by the West previous to Prophet's going. So he used to, incidentally, while we're on the subject, uh, uh, he used to, of course, take his meal at Radhadamadar. He wouldn't spend any money but if he got for that, but if he got any money, he would spend it to print his Back to Godhead magazine or his Bhagavatam volumes, the first three volumes, and he would take the train into Delhi and, and charm the printer into printing and I'll pay you later and so forth and, and then he would go to the tea shops where people were very much preoccupied with politics hmm? that was uh, you know a time India had just uh, recently become a, an independent nation and so politics were a huge topic even as they are today more so today I think because of the facility that uh, the communication systems have um, made available the currents of thoughts and so for people to tune into. But anyway, this, at this time in India, it was a was a big thing. Was well, a new thing. Politics. Previously, it was it was kingdoms. Then, hmm? of course, there was the British. And there was no discussion of politics, <laughs> uh, except you know Gandhi's thrust to overthrow them for Swaraj for independence and so forth. So anyway, he would go to the tea shops, and then he he would find there discarded tracts from the Jehovah's Witnesses who had some international outreach and he would get some idea what, what was the thoughts in America for that and other such things 
you know, they would write their their articles that appeared like like topical articles, and then in the end, it all says "so surrender to Jesus." You know, was the conclusion you know, of every article. Uh, so, anyway, he was he was picking up scraps of information about America. Now, there were many many people in India would have loved to go to America and find out information and try to get a visa and a passport. How he hard to get a passport, harder to get a visa. And then to find out about it, what it's like, and so forth. But he, and he was fully absorbed in this. Some would say, you should go to Vrindavan and be absorbed in the Bhagavatam. Chant. Especially now when you're old. Hmm. You're frequenting the tea shops and picking up these, you know, newspapers and tracts of uh, other, uh, you know, religions to find out information about America. And he was preoccupied with going to America, which he was. But Vaishnavera Kriyamrupa Pundra Vigdena Bhujaya. It's difficult to understand in Vaishnava. You see how he was totally preoccupied in such a way that superficially, externally, it looked like some guy wants to go to America for a better life. He wanted to go to America for a better life, that's for sure, to bring a better life to, 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 to Americans who had everything uh, at the cost of their own souls, so to speak. This is Rav Bhakti. He wasn't preoccupied with Govindalai Maltilamrita, but the, the torn pieces, pieces of newspaper about America and what they think. Pujala Raghapata Gaurava Bhandai Matala Haridran Kirtan Vandai. This is the theme of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. He wrote, the poem, this is one of the, one of the lines in there, that poem was sung as they took the deities in Calcutta from the rented house to the famous marble temple, the Bad Bazaar temple. The marble temple was a big thing. They had come from rags, hmm, really, living uh, a life in, in Navadweep where uh, there were Bengali tigers in the jungle and so forth and... Um, they didn't have anything, and so by the mission, the preaching of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, eventually a marble temple was built in Calcutta in great style. And monks would go out and raise money from the people and throw it at the temple foundation to build it and glorify the deities and so on and so forth. So they would, the idea was they would keep the Ragmarg above their head, worshipping that with Gaurava, with reverence, until the day that in the context of Harikirtan, in a dynamic sense, outreach, book publishing and so forth, this idea of Kirtan, extended idea, the Brihat Murdanga, the great Brahm idea of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, in the context of that, that Gaurava Bhange, that, that respect for the Radmar would be broken over, and they would enter into the plane of affectionate dealings by worshipping that plane. It was very, very interesting, interesting idea. They would worship the Ragmar with reverence. They wouldn't worship Bhagawan with reverence. They would worship the inhabitants of Vrindavan who are on the Ragmar with reverence, keeping themselves beneath that, doing Sankirtan. This is the Parivrajak, the Yati, the Sanyas of the Paramahansa, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur. Shidamash wrote that famous song, it's written in it, sung in every Gaudiya moth, daily, carved in marble in some of the walls 
of the uh, Rodium Alpha Prophet, told them so that told the Kayan on the Marsh was president of Nabhan. This should be sung every day in that temple. It's one of the lines. Param Hangsabaram Paramata Patin Patirodarane Kataveshavatin Matiradjaganai. It's describing how he was a Paramhamsa, but he acted as, take himself down from there to act like a Parivrajak, a Yati. Parivrajak is this traveling mendicant, right, door to door, the Madhukari, you know, idea as we're talking. Hmm? And from there, he he didn't sit down like a Paramhamsa and just do Nirjan Bhajan. Nirjan Bhajan. We want a little Nirjan. I can appreciate that. Hmm? Be alone. <laughs> is the austerity of living in a month other people in close proximity uh, it's, it's, it, that's an austerity but of course we rise to the occasion based on common interest still a little room to ourselves sometimes that's desirable and we use the time for bhajan nirjan bhajan but to sit in nirjan bhajan only, that will be very difficult. Godbird of mine, Guru Marsh, once told Prabhupada that he wanted to just, just sit in Mayapur and chant. I've told the story before, so Prabhupada said, try it. He got a straw hut. He sat there, he was chanting 100, 150 rounds a day. And um, he chanted and chanted. And after about two weeks of that, someone would come and bring food every day and just kind of open the door and put it in. He would take his lunch, put the plate outside, and then he'd take it. Hmm? So he was doing like this. And he said after after about two weeks, he found that his mind started to drift, and he was started to think, are they going to bring that same doll again today? Yeah. Are they going to have any sweets this time? And that kind of thing. And from there it got worse. <laughs> and so before the month was up, he, he quit. And when the problem said, I couldn't do it. And the problem said, so go and preach, and come back and try again in ten years. Hmm? So we're not to run away from that. This is a good thing. Hmm? The last four years of his life, Bhaktivinoda was locked up in a room. Hmm? The great preacher, Bhaktivinoda. Hmm? Wrote over a hundred books, so many songs and poems. And so, such a, in such a novel way, he, he tried to represent... Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He's like the first Western convert to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He was like, of course, Indian-born, but he had kind of a Western mind, educated by the West. He had a disliking for the Bhagavad religion as he had learned about it. Hmm? He was uh, uh, part of the kind of the reform of Hinduism, but he heard about Bhagavatam eventually <laughs> through the... Um, um, Siddhanta of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and then he became a convert. Hmm? So, great, uh, an innovative uh, preacher, hmm? and very outward person, had many children, and worked in the government as a magistrate. The last four years, he went mad, locked up in a room, doing Yajan Bhajan. So, it requires some adhikar, some eligibility to do that. Hmm? But it's not something that we should dismiss, we should try and see if we can't spend some time quietly hmm? and, uh, and be absorbed. Hmm? But the means to arrive at that, 
largely is just kind of activeness in the mission for propaganda work, outreach, and so forth. Kirtan, we're doing here at the facility for Kirtan. And, and, and that is, we see that in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course. He did, uh, as a sannyasi, he did some Kirtan for a number of years, traveling, preaching, open public kirtan, and then he retired to a private space. The kirtan retired him. If you sing about Krishna, if you glorify Krishna, you will start to get insights about Krishna that are very, very special, about the private life of Krishna. And if you start to speak about that, Krishna will become embarrassed. You know that. You're saying that. So openly, you're going to tell that. You silence him. Near Jambajan. Come to me. Hmm? You take him within his fold. Hmm? Mahaprabhu showed this through his Leela. He used to do private kirtan at the house of Srivastakura. He wouldn't let it just anybody in, only very qualified devotees. But some pious people would sit outside and desire to go in without forcing themselves in any way. So for them he came out to show them the way to enter there. That house of Srivas, that is Vrindavan. In that house, Mahaprabhu would do kirtan and he would show himself. Just see, Shuklambar. Hmm? I am Krishna. You are Sudham. Hmm? This one, that one. He would reveal himself. That that house that is that is Vrindavan, that kirtan. But not anybody can do that kind of kirtan. So he came out to show the way of kirtan. He gradually qualified oneself. During his later pastimes, he's he's actually entering, showing the way to enter in there. This is the goal. So. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, in this way he took himself from the Paramahamsa platform, the ideas, and made himself a party project, kind of took himself down for the sake of teaching. Hmm? Hmm. Traveling widely, uh, opening centers, book publication, and so on and so forth. This is very absorbing, is the point. If you try to think how to present Gaudiya Vaishnavism to the Tikos here, you know, that'll take some thinking. Uh-huh. How to tell them that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that Krishna Leela is the perfection the minute there were problems for Krishna. Therefore, another Leela was was necessary, the Gaur Leela, to resolve those problems. I mean, this is very complex, <laughs> theologically. One answer would be, just give them prasad through kirtan. We're kind of finding here in the story of Narada the emphasis on this in one sense. So far, we'll find, we have found, they haven't really instructed him in very much of anything, have they? They gave him permission to take prasadam, engage him in some service. Of course, he heard their kirtan. He heard their, 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 their kirtan. He really heard them speaking about what was of interest to themselves. What they were preoccupied with. Hmm? He was just a boy in a house. 
It's not like the whole community was coming there and hearing them and they were giving class. It's not described in that way. So some emphasis is given on the power of kind of non-rational, um, the trans-rational, I want to say, nature of, of bhakti. How Nard progressed, even, without so much philosophy and so forth. I mean, there's a place for philosophy. It's important. That's Sambandagyan. We'll see you here in this section. They're going to give him a lot of Sambandagyan. But he's already made so much progress. Hmm? There's another argument to be made that without Sambandagyan, he could chant and not make any progress. That's another uh, argument, and there's a fair amount of uh, truth to that. There are many examples of that. Hmm? Therefore, the need for preaching and Bhaktisiddhanta's movement was very much about that. Many people were nominally Vaishnavas, but they had no Sambandagyan, so they would commit Namaparad. They wouldn't know really that, that uh, chanting Krishna Nam is, and considering Shiva Nam, for example, to be equal, or, some, or I should say Brahmanam or something, Durga Nam would be uh, a Namaparad. It's kind of thing they weren't aware. So they weren't making making progress. But here, the other side of it is emphasized, and that, there's a place for that too. Just to emphasize the power of these activities, they're swarupsitabhakti, powerful enough that uh, knowingly or unknowingly, if one participates in them, hmm, he, he or she can progress nicely. Hmm? So... Uh, but at any rate, my point is that to try to explain the theology of Gaudiya Rationalism to people, the philosophy of theology, it's, it's complex, it's a challenge. So it's very absorbing to the mind. Hmm? So Bhaktisiddhanta Sastri Thakur would engage his disciples like that, and Prabhupada did the same thing. And uh, comparatively, to go, if I was initiate you to dance, say, now go sit in the jungle here and just chant. Hmm? be difficult, like it was for that Guru Krishna Swami, to control the mind by that. Hmm? But if you have the, the task of trying to figure out how to present this in a palatable way to people, so you really have to think about what it is. You have to study it. Hmm? Questions, people will ask questions. You don't have the answer. You have to go back and read the book. We used to go and sell the book. Someone ask a question and you try to answer it and you do it the best you could, but you weren't quite satisfied. And you come back, it is burning. I had to find the answer to that book, that, that question. Looking through the Bhagavatam, asking over the devotees. It has great potential to absorb the mind. Hmm? Hmm? And then, at some point, as a result of some approach, one can sit and do. Near Jan Bhajan. They were sitting for four months. This was the system then given that uh, during the rain it would be hard to move. So they would sit and they would undergo various austerities and so forth. Uh, uh, typically, um, traveling is an austerity. Without that opportunity, perhaps they would eat less and so on. But they were occupied, preoccupied with um, Harikata. Mm-hmm. So it's said here anyway. In the two months, uh, or the two seasons, I should say, the four months of the rainy season, mm-hmm. Uh, thus, Hareya Vishwindrato Me Nusavam Vishomalam Sankirtyamanam Munibir Mahatma Bhir. 
So in this way, he's kind of summing up. In this way, for, for the four months of the rainy season, I, 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 I sat with them and I heard their Sankirtan of Hari, of the name of Hari, hmm? who is Yashu Malam, hmm? whose fame and glory is a spotless, hmm? absolutely spotless, fully pure and uh, transcendental, not like any other god or, or goddess by comparison. They did Sankirtan. We may remember that in the previous life, before the life that he's speaking about, in the seventh canto, he described in Narada how he offended the Sankirtan. Here it is the Sankirtan. Again, he's meeting the Sankirtan. He got a low birth from his Gandharva birth for his offense, but he got continued opportunity to associate with the Sankirtan. And it was a powerful Sankirtan because it was performed by Munibir. Munis, deep thinkers, with big souls. Big soul, deep thinkers. It means that a big soul means they had a big and soft means. Big means here soft, soft, liquid, melted heart. This is brain. Hmm? Bhava. Its characteristic is that it softens the heart. Frame's characteristic is it melts the heart. It's softened by bhava. And frame, principally, the swarup lakshan of frame is that it is an intensification of bhava. Therefore, bhava is described as a ray of the sun of prema. So the churning of that bhava, this is a kind of sadhana, hmm? the churning of that bhava in bhava bhakti, hmm? when it intensifies, it, it matures into praying. Whatever's there in bhava comes with it. The attachment of, for Krishna, for anasakti comes with it. The attachment to, the, to, 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 to bhakti comes with it, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Therefore, Krishna Chakravita describes it as a very extraordinary tree. Ordinarily, the tree buds, blossoms. When it blossoms, the buds go away. When the fruit comes, first the blossom has to fall. Now here in Madhavan, you'll start to see, you're here for this month, you'll start to see in January, all the the, the buds are out. You don't see them, but the blossoms will come, now the flowers will come. Flowers will come in the forest, there we go. The mango flower, uh, all of them. Hmm? And then they'll drop and fruits will come. But this tree of bhakti is very different <laughs> in a sense because the blossom comes and stays. Hmm? Then the flower comes along with the blossom. And then the fruit comes along with the, with the flower. Hmm? In other words, whatever is there in Asakti, whatever is there in Bhava. This continues on into praying, and really it's an intensification, all of this, an intensification of Shraddha. And Shraddha is not belief. No, belief is relative to the mind, and Shraddha, faith, as we talk about, is relative to the soul. So it's a, it's a removal of all doubt. It's that, as I said before, uh, quoting Pujapatrita Marsh, suspicion leads to suspension. In the Gita, 
Krishna says, Shraddho, I am Purusha. A person is their faith. That's what animates them. Hmm? What have we heard about Goloka? Katadanam natyam gamanam gamanam bamsi prayasaki chidanandam joti paramatma. All these things. And what Jiva Goswami said about that. This is Brahma Samhita. Katadanam natyam gamanam apivamsi prayasaki chidanandam joti. He says, there all of the talking is singing katadanam natyam gamanam. The walking is dancing. How animated is the place? And Jiva Goswami said, if the walking is dancing, if the talking is singing, what must be the dancing? And what must be the singing of that place? Hmm? Everything alive, everything conscious, hmm? and Krishna never sleeping. How animated is, is, is Brahman? Hmm? The great Brahman, practically it is a sleep being. Hmm? But the power of the Shakti, Swarup Shakti, the, uh, personified as Radha, becomes so animated. Hmm? Alive. Other forms of Bhagavan we see, more or less, they're, they're paying attention to one extent or another. Mahavishnu on the low end. Mostly sleeping, hmm? yawning, winding the whole thing up again. Hmm? Brahma's there worshiping, offering some food, and goes to sleep. And as we said earlier, Krishna always awake, never sleeping. That hmm? bhakti is animating Bhagwan. Hmm? So it's fully animated. This means full faith. You see. When, you, when faith is lacking, then suspicion, faith is suspension. It's very practical. If you have some doubt, you're suspended. I can't go forward with that. Hmm? We're talking about clearing of all doubt. What is your path then? Hmm? That means the head has been retired. Brain dead bhakti. Gyan shunya bhakti, Mahaprabhu said. Gyan shunya bhakti. Brain dead bhakti. Brain is no longer is needed. The heart is fully functioning. Just like when I speak, the people will listen with their head. And if something oh, agrees with their head, they'll let it go down into the heart. But if someone can speak from their heart, and their heart is soft, melted, has realization, then he can, that person, she can retire the head. Hmm? Your suspicion will go and you become animated. The heart will be captured. Hmm? Prabhupada was good at suspending our reasoning. <laughs> Things we believed. <laughs> if you go back and now you think about, how could I have, how could we? How could <laughs> We did that. He suspended our reasoning by the power of his bhava. Hmm? And in the shadow of that, symbols of that, a of that, 
came over us. Only people would look at us like we were crazy, and we were, of course. And that's a good. Has that can be a good thing? It can be a good thing. There's a place for reasoning about all that, also. But ultimately, yes, this head needs to be retired. We are guided, at best, by intellect in this world. But a intellect ruled, a reason ruled life is a life that proceeds with caution. And when you're home in the homeland, you know, if 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 you're home with your family, and the one of the family members has cooked the dinner, the mother, let's say, that night said, "Here, eat your uncle. What's in it? Can I check the ingredients?" You go to another another place. You might wonder, "What, what, what are they eating here? What's in it? I don't know." I'm, you're at home. Eat. Huh. You know, it's been cooked with love, affection for you. Hmm? So the homeland, as much as we are at home, you see, the head is is not functioning only in terms of following the lead of the heart. Like, let's take Vrindavan, Goloka, hmm? Jashoda Mai is a good example. Krishna's mother. Hmm? How how does spiritual intellect function compared to material intellect? Material intellect questions whether or not we should serve. Hmm? Spiritual intellect questions how to serve the best in any given circumstance. She was perplexed. Krishna has been reported to have stolen off into other people's homes, and if that's not bad enough, he was stealing their butter and yogurt. And so, of course, this was reported. She denied it. And then she said, well, maybe he took a little, but he's just a boy. And hmm. But meanwhile, while she put up a good front to the other mothers who were complaining with great ecstasy, mm-hmm. <laughs> she returned home and complained to Nanda Maharaj, what kind of king of cows are you? Hmm? What kind of milk are you, you know, producing here? Hmm? That our son has to go to other people's houses. So, of course, he, he you know, he, honey do. So, you know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> and there he went. And he got, he, he took the best cows hmm, in a herd. And then he, he seeded special pasture just for those cows. Hmm? And kept them on that pasture. And it was that milk hmm, that Mother Yachara Soda was churning on the stove at the time of the Indriyagya. Home alone, all the maidservants out preparing for Indra's Yagya. Hmm? And the dilemma, right? While the milk was on the stove, tending to the breast, uh, suckling Krishna to her breast, and the milk began to overflow. So she had to use, invoke her spiritual intelligence. She invoked Tadiya Seva. Hmm? She, over serving Krishna directly, whom she put down. She served that which is dear to Krishna. Hmm. So this is anyway, how to serve the best in any situation. This is the, rather than whether I will serve or not. Hmm. Maybe that's somebody else's service or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
So this head needs to be retired. It cannot lead us. Because why? We are of a superior constitution than the head, than intellect, than reason. reason. The Western world has put reason on the altar. Our mission is to dethrone reason, no doubt, and establish Gaur Nityananda on the altar, Radha Govinda, Krishna and Balaram, and give the reasoning for doing so. Give the good reasoning as to the shortcomings of, of, of reason. God will not show up in the court a house of reason. He's independent of reason. That is not unreasonable. So brain dead bhakti. Gyan Mahapurkas. Gyan Shunya Bhakti. Bhakti unencumbered by by Gyan. In the highest sense, Gyan means some calculation. I will serve him because he's he's God. In Vrindavan, they're not thinking like that. Hmm? They're serving God. In the house of Nandamaraj, they're worshipping the Shingadev. Hmm? Shalagam. Hmm? Same going on in the house of Srivas in Gorleva. You know, this is his deity there. They're doing Vaidhi Bhakti. <laughs> they're doing Vaidhi Bhakti. But really, they're doing Rag Bhakti. They're worshipping the Shingadev, but their mind is somewhere else. Sound familiar? <laughs> but that's somewhere else with Krishna this is very extraordinary they're going to church on Sunday their mind is somewhere else chasing after Krishna so this is the land of the heart and homeland it's so animated therefore it is the full face of faith of the idea of faith Pujapachitamarsh called Planets of faith, and I would say, I have it. And there are planets of doubt, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So, the opposite must be there. The contrast must be there. Planets of faith. So this whole progress here in bhakti is a progression of faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, faith is the beginning, adol shraddha, but it's a distilling of that. So all that comes in the beginning is there in the end as well. Is that, you know, the, the, the leaf, the blossom, the, the flower, the fruit, it all, it's a continuum, it's a, it's a, it's really a, a intensification hmm, of faith and given different names at different stages. We can enter into the world of the faith. Shadavan Janohe, Shadavan Janohe. O faithful, Persons, Nitai, Prabhu said, Come, hmm? give me your faith, I'll give you the name. That's all I'm asking, your faith. But you are your faith. <laughs> I am Shadhayam Shadhayam Purusham. A person is that they want everything. The heart. Hmm? Faith and heart, there's some correspondence to society. Hmm? Wherever the heart is, that's where we are. So here it's described that, oh, he heard them doing Sankirtan. About he, he who is Yasho Malam, whose glories are spotless. Krishna. And what kind of people were doing Sankirtan? They were the big-hearted people. It means Mahatma, big-souled people. 
The soul expands, so to speak, by giving. It contracts by taking. The more we take, the more selfish we are, the more the sense that we are a unit of consciousness is lost to us. The more we start to descend into the animal side, if you will, of our being. In human life we have these two sides. There's the animal side and then there's the human side. They say it's differentiated by intelligence, but really it's differentiated humans from animals by love. Because you could be very intelligent, but use your intelligence only for animalistic purposes, for eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, and, you know, blowing the world up in the context of defending your eating territory and your sleeping territory and so forth. So this does not really differentiate us entirely from the animals as much as intellect can be corrupted only for a bestial life. Hmm? But loving differentiates us, the capacity to give, to do things voluntarily, hmm? to say, you first, something like that. This is then, as much as we move in this direction, this has caused the self to expand. Think about it. Your self expands because if you think of others, hmm, in some instance, rather than yourself, if you look at the bigger picture, if you, you know, if everybody at the table has to eat but there's only so much, you make the sacrifice and go out to get the job, to earn the money, to bring more in. So you, your sense of self is extended. Now you identify with all these people as yourself. They're still thinking just of themselves. So, so it is with nationalism as well. As much as nationalism is, is a very dangerous idea, very sectarian idea, and, uh, and has been problematic in, in, in the past, in another sense, it is obviously an expanded sense of self. We talked about how people were preoccupied with politics, and they are now today as well, very much so. It's an expanded sense of identifying beyond the small self. Of course, people identify with their own personal needs and they elect people only if they're going to pass a bill that puts money in their pocket and so forth. That's a corrupted idea, I suppose, of nationalism. Not to think not what you can do, what the country can do for you, but what you can do for the country. So, anyway, Krishna consciousness, Gaudi Vaishnavism is trying to take this idea to the extreme. That's what Vrindavan is. Vijayapat Sridhar Marsh told me once, if you want to understand Vrindavan, go to the Howrah station in Calcutta. <laughs> there, the train stops, and everybody's pushing to get in. Millions of people. He says, now stop and think, what if it went the other way? And everybody said, no, you first, you first. How different that would be. I mean, you, can imagine, you can't imagine going to Howrah station and seeing that happen, but he says, that is Vrindavan. Something like that. A true welfare society, because everyone is thinking of the welfare of everyone else, because no one is thinking there's anyone else in a broader sense. Hmm? We're all one. We're all one in purpose. Hmm? There's some difference between us, but that is the variety hmm, of, our, of our unity for one cause. And, and what is our cause? To satisfy Krishna, and he has five senses. Hmm? and a mind, hmm? 
and a big appetite. Hmm? So, so many ways, that's the variety to satisfy him. So many ways to please him. Hmm? Unlimited. Akila rasamrita murti. He's the personification of, uh, of, of so, so much variety, but all unified, one purpose. Hmm? So anyway, they heard, he heard from these type of people. They, he said here they, had, they were big-souled people, and they were munis. Muni means deep thinker. They were munis and mahatmas. So they, they, in other words, they used their heart, used their head, I should say, to soften their heart. Hmm? That's what they did. They were deep thinkers. They recited the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Takes some intelligence to read, study the Bhagavatam. And as a result of doing that, intelligence is put in its place and the heart is allowed to come out. Soul comes out. So both words are used here. They were thinkers and they were heart people. But the heart takes precedence and the brain is working under the heart. It doesn't have an independent existence. It can't, it can't rule, so to speak. So these types of people, their hearts were melted. They had brain. I heard Sankirtan from them. And I, and, and in Bhakti, Paritatma, Rajasthamopaha. Bhakti, Paritti. When Bhakti Siddhanta Sasitaku did the Brajmandal Parakram on one, one year, which he would do regularly during Kartik, he lectured at Radhakund and he told his disciples that so many people here are doing this uh, Nirjan Bhajan and uh, reciting the pastime, Gobinda Lila Amrita, Krishna Bhavan Amrita, and so forth, pastimes of Radha and Krishna, and, and so on. Uh, he said, and, and, and remembering the full daily pastimes of Krishna and so forth. Now, I have instructed you so long what, 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 what Vrindavan is not, what praying is not. Hmm? Emphasized Anartha Nivritti. Hmm? Be engaged in such a way that obstacles and unwanted uh, false values are retired and so forth. But we will not stop there. We should rest assured. We should be. We should be aware that we are involved in artha pravritti, attaining that which is actually of value. Hmm? So he said, "This is all our property. We shouldn't think this is this astaka lila smarnam. Hmm? This is." belongs to somebody else. No one is that. This is for us. I'm teaching you how to how to how to inherit that, the eligibility for that. He said. Hmm? So those who have been chanting, he said, for twenty years and so forth, they're going to have some faith. They have some interest in would be in this would be appropriate for them. Hmm? This way, he said, not for just beginner, but hmm? so he called it art of poverty. And art of liberty. Liberty means to remove, to re- re- reject, to renounce, to re- give up the false values. Art of poverty. So ours is a is the poverty marg. <laughs> Generally, the poverty marg is it's a marg of, of acquisition, hmm? and the liberty marg is the marg of renunciation. Hmm? So the marg of acquisition is the karma marg, right? Acquiring things. And the Gyan Marg is the Marg or the path of renunciation. But ours is the Bhakti Pravritti Marg, 
attaining bhakti, hmm? acquiring bhakti, acquiring prema, some positive value there, hmm? not just removing the negative, false values. So he says, bhakti pravritatma. Hmm? In my soul, hmm, this I attained. I attained the bhakti. The implication is, I attained prem bhakti. I have a, I reached the prayojan, and tamo paha rajas, and rajas and tamas entirely were retired. It's not that he got satpaguna, hmm? but these lower modes in particular are mentioned here. Just like earlier in Bhagavatam, we find. That sattve that is a result of as this verse describes of retiring rajas and tamas is not sattvaguna, that is the suda sattva. Hmm? This idea. So this is what he's speaking about here. I, I got nirguna bhakti. Hmm? I entered the nirguna. I went beyond the modes of nature, hmm? and bhakti came in my soul, bhakti proper, hmm? as I was in touch with these heart-melted people, deep thinkers, my heart melted also, I didn't pray. A couple more verses he's going to describe this, we'll have to get to them on another occasion. Any question? Yes. So you were mentioning the different parts, the different, sorry, um, parts of bhakti. We go through stages. Yeah, stages. That's what. But it seems that as we attain these stages, uh, we also get humility, which makes us feel, I suppose, fallen or some such thing. So I'm trying to uh, understand the actual value of understanding these stages. No, I mean, I understand that we need to know where we're going, but, you know, given that, you know, if you're actually advanced, you actually don't think you're advanced. See my point? So I was just wondering. You're saying that as you advance, you may tend to magnify your own faults and think yourself less advanced then you actually are advanced. And we see mm-hmm. devotees sometimes speak like that. Hmm? Right. And Well, first of all, the idea is that one who's advanced knows he's advanced, but he knows he's advanced because he knows he got grace. Hmm? Therefore, he's humble. And he has to admit, well, I have to admit, I, I, I do have something that's true. If he really pressed me, hmm, and on, uh, but, but this is the evidence only that I have been graced. Hmm? Otherwise, if not pressed, then yes, he may think, she may think, I'm, I'm nowhere in this. He will study the stages, and he will think, yes, it's obvious, I'm on the lowest stage here. I'm a beginner. Hmm? Uh, this is some kind of evidence of, 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 of progress, but, but there, there's a, there's, that's a kind of a subjectivity, but objectively sometimes 
he has to say, yes, I made some progress. Yes. Hmm? Um, so there's a kind of a, I suppose you could say, kind of a internal absorption and thinking about it and and, uh, and it, it fosters humility that magnifies the faults that, that makes these stages seem larger and larger steps and so on and so forth. Then that's very good. That's a very that's that's a very good tendency. When the guy reads the book and thinks, I think maybe maybe Nishta. I don't want to say Richie, but yeah, yeah. Maybe on the Nishka platform. I mean, after all, I don't want to be on the North and the Richie. That wouldn't be prestigious. Uh, you know, you, this is not a good sign. Uh, that's what you're saying. Uh, that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So humility is also um, uh, sometimes described as being synonymous with, with, uh, with Krishna consciousness. That's, that's a big topic, humility. So... Yes, that comes. But, nonetheless, uh, we may be in a position to teach and so forth. So sometimes the teacher has to say, you know, you're there and, and I'm here. We saw this in Prabhupada. Prabhupada would, we would say, Prabhupada, you're so great. He would say, oh, Mahaprabhu, his mercy is all my Guru Maharaj. But sometimes he would say, yes, uh, I, I have something. It's true. And you should listen to me and, and, and so forth. So it depends on kind of Situation. Now, if you have a budget in life only, then there's no scope for that. But if you have a life of when you're involved in outreach, teaching, and so on and so forth, then you, there there has to be some bearing down with objectivity um, and uh, and discrimination and so forth. As far as the individual practitioner and so forth, I mean, these, to learn about these stages, you're questioning the value of learning about it. It's extremely valuable. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's like a road map, and you, if you're sincere, you read it, you see, you can see where you're really mm-hmm. at in it. And um, that means you're looking at it really objectively. I mean, if you're really advanced, you can't. That's, <laughs> that's kind of the point that you're making, I suppose. Uh, but uh, for the neophyte, he's not. He's going to see, yes, this is where I'm at here, and therefore I sh- these steps, chapters, I should focus on. Hmm? these things and I can make progress. I mean, obviously it's written books like The Mirror Economy is written for good reason by Bishop Chakrabi Kapoor. He thinks it has a lot of um, value. In one sense, is it, it, it will foster, hopefully, that kind of humility that you wouldn't have otherwise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by hearing about them. You say, wow, this is, i got a ways to go here. You're a little honest. They say, no, you've got a ways to go. That's so something like that. Yes. Related question. Um, books like Madhurya, Kadambini, Bhakti Rasamrita, Sindhu, obviously they're written by people who have gone through all of these stages, otherwise how could they write it with so much detail? And yet, um, the definitions, they say it just takes away your whole mind, you can't think of anything else. Um, and it seems like, well, how did they... How did they write this? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems almost like impossible, like a contradiction. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. they're describing this state. Um, what did we say about it? There's a stage where you're not aware of how your mind mm-hmm. gets drawn into material things, and then the next stage is you're not aware of how your mind gets drawn into Krishna. And 
and then there's a stage beyond that. And They're talking about the stage is kind of unhinged, hmm? unhinged, um, but there's two things going on in the life of such devotees. Hmm? If you take Rupa Goswami, for example, when he wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he had to put himself in a neutral position to write about all the rasas rather than in a subjective kind of position where he's absorbed in his own personal ideal. Um, it's called tatastavichar, so to come to some neutral position. Prabhupada also described it like an Uttamadikari bringing himself to the Madhyam platform. Hmm? And so, unhinged, he's going on that side, hmm? if you will. It's like unplugged. Right? Hmm? Unplugged. And then, and, and for the purpose of service in this realm, plugged in, and and uh, that's why the, the, the symptoms of the Uttamadikari for example, described in Bhagavatam, are such that, of course, you couldn't see them. They're all internal, as they're described there. And if someone was in that state, they wouldn't. it would be hard for you to take advantage of them. They wouldn't have any sense that you needed to be preached to or anything, for example. So there's internal consciousness, there's external consciousness, and there's a tipping point in all of this. Hmm? Depends on the devotee. But... Uh, in, in the beginning, for example, if one starts to develop bhakti, as, as the Ruchi stage was described, if the kirtan is really good musically, if the lecture is really good, uh, well-spoken, arranged, and so forth, he'll, he'll, it'll tip him. He'll get some taste for that, and so forth. If it's not, he won't tip. Hmm? So you go further along the progression in bhakti, and the tipping point becomes smaller and smaller, so to speak, where, whereas, for example, there are, it said, if he sees the rain cloud, he falls over. Hmm? This is a tipping point. So he loves Krishna, but he gets the Udipana, hmm? and Rasa comes, and he falls over. Hmm? So, so, uh, for the preachers, so to speak, and these are the preachers, Vishwanachakabhita or Rupa Goswami refer to their books, hmm? they bring themselves down to discriminate. Or their bhakti booze in such a way that sometimes they're externally conscious, like we find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who could be more advanced than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Sometimes he was externally conscious. Sometimes he lost external consciousness. They're speaking about the latter stage losing the external consciousness and the potential for that, and that that will happen to these devotees. Hmm? But that doesn't happen all the time, constantly, in their life. Maybe at a certain point it does, and they're gone. They're, they're gone. They're going, going, gone. Hmm? <laughs> Something like that. Hmm? But meanwhile, they're here, and so there is, before that, there is some external consciousness, and they're moving in and out of that. Hmm? We see they readily move in and out of what we call a, what we call a Madhyama orientation where there's discrimination and an Uttam orientation where there is a, there's a lack of discrimination. Hmm? Moving back and forth. And when they move from the lack of discrimination to the discriminating platform, this is a devotee whose preaching has great power. Hmm? 
because it's backed by realization. And then there's one who's come up from, from the lower side through the mugging platform, doesn't have the same tipping point or the same measure of tipping or realization and is involved in discrimination, outreach, and so forth. That would be powerful too. Hmm? No doubt. That, 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 that is, that, that's certainly powerful. But it's not perhaps because they don't have the same kind of force as that which is that discrimination that's backed by more realization, insight. So, again, even in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we find this. Sometimes he's going, and then the descriptions that are given there, you can totally relate to them. Like, yeah, that sounds like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is gone. Hmm? But sometimes he was there preaching to Prakashananda Saraswati, or, you know, even in the later years, he would sometimes have, uh, as recorded in Chaitanya Charitamrita, normal conversations, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> so there's this kind of movement between. Um, there's entering a samadhi, coming out of samadhi. Hmm? Entering in, coming out, entering in, never coming out. Hmm? That kind of thing. So, when they're called to, they were charged, for example, Rupa Goswami with the service of writing books, Smaltan Goswami by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Obviously, there had to be an external consciousness to some extent. They had to discriminate, they had to know Sanskrit. Grammar. They had to study. Viva Goswami studied the different philosophies of the time and so forth, and they were thinking about these things. So they, they, they in, a, in a situation like that, we would like to think they took themselves down hmm, to do that. Sometimes I would, I would. My perception was that Prabhupada would wrestle himself down to talk to me. Hmm. It was a beautiful thing because. Um, and Prabhupada is a beautiful thing because people like to talk about what they're preoccupied with. Hmm? What Prabhupada was preoccupied with on a, on a deep sense is not something he could just talk about with us. Hmm? So he brought himself down and was preoccupied with things with, with a level of Krishna consciousness that we could relate to. Hmm? That's a sign of a great, of a great person. Hmm? Do you understand? Of a very great person. So they're like that. Does that help? Yeah. 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 And then everybody experiences this on some level too. Hmm? Sometimes you don't want to talk. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, they're more um, available for uh, external you know, considerations. So, we stop there, have some Sankirtan.